What up, party people? It is a damn good day to have a damn good day. Today, we're going to talk and dive into the world of marketing, which is constantly shifting. As brands integrate with the newest social trends, consumers will continue to receive boatloads of highly targeted content. This means marketers need to figure out clever ways to make their content and brands differ and stand out from each other. Buzzsprout is a podcasting platform that I found to be one of the easiest podcasting softwares for hosting, promoting, and tracking your podcast. Their story is unique as it is one of slow beginnings with trial and error. I reached out to Buzzsprout's chief of marketing, Albin Brook, to get an inside look into the company's fascinating rise amongst podcasting platforms. Albin Brook is the head of marketing at Buzzsprout. This means he is in charge of all the various campaigns and content deliverables that has helped propel Buzzsprout as a company. Albin gives us incredible insights into various topics from how companies can differentiate their content amongst others, the different marketing channels the Buzzsprout team found to be most effective, how to bootstrap a SaaS company, and where content marketing is heading. As always, you can watch this podcast with Albin and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 69 with Albin Brook. Let's jump into it. And we're live, Albin Brooks, man. How are you doing? How's everything going? Doing well. How are you? living the dream and whenever i say living the dream i feel like it's a mindset that you got to convince yourself because some people get almost annoyed at people that was like oh you're living the dream yeah like all right dude but the truth is if you believe that you're happy then you are happy where you're at and i just think that more people need to do that you know you've got some good stuff you've got some bad stuff and you get to pick what you focus on and if you really sit there and think about all the incredible blessings you have you can live the dream too. So <laughs> I feel like we got a little uh, life advice here. <laughs> well, we're going to get it in every aspect of life. And dude, your company, Buzzsprout, and your team, you guys have done some amazing stuff. Your background is incredible. Uh, I love your story about you know uh, going to law school for a little bit and making that big uh, 180 and jumping into something else. Uh, I would love to kind of get a quick background on, on your history and kind of what led you to your current role. Sure. So um went to college and, you know, there I do English and religious studies and kind of a lot of these like degrees that were fun. And then you get out and you're like, oh, these like don't lead to jobs. So I uh, actually went overseas and taught school in Haiti and did that for a bit. And then when I came back to the States, I'm like, well, my dad's a lawyer. My grandfather was a judge. I was like, I'm going to law school. This is it. Even it gets like all the advice of all the lawyers I knew in my life. They're like, dude, this is not good. Even my dad was like, this is not a good career. It's just, it's hard. You won't like it. Like, no, man, this is going to be awesome. So did law school, started practicing and pretty quickly realized like, this is not what I want to do. Yeah. So I, you know, kind of went to the stage of life where I'm starting to like look around at different industries and uh, ended up, like you said, made a 180 and ended up in tech. And in your expertise really is content marketing and being able to, to put out amazing stuff. I mean, one thing I really love about the, the Buzzsprout story is how, you know, you were super early on, you and the founders, you had this strategy of let's build as many apps as possible and see which ones work. <laughs> and uh, more of a, a bootstrap mindset versus going the VC route. Can you kind of explain what those early days looked like? Sure. So... Um, our parent company, Higher Pixels, has been around um, a bit longer before I was here. But the history was it was just a you know, group of people that 
were starting businesses on their own. So it started off with a little website builder and this is like late nineties. And then there's a, somebody was doing nonprofits. So they started doing a nonprofit uh, donation recorder called donor tools. And then they realized some people need to track their time towards budgets. So they uh, created something called tick and it, you know, became this process of whenever there was a itch, they scratched it with a web app and put it out there. And I think there's this kind of mindset in a lot of things that if the food is good enough at a restaurant, people are going to come. And if the app is good enough, then people are going to use it. And, uh, you know, one of, you know, one of them obviously was Buzzsprout and all of them together, they all did really well and provided a really nice lifestyle for everybody. Um, but never really, there was never a huge focus on marketing. With the marketing aspect, it was more so just, you mentioned, you know, they create a business and if you can make a few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars a month, then you're happy. I know there's a lot of people right now that want to build a business to make just, you know, a thousand dollars a month that would change their life. I mean, being able to pay a, a bill, being able to just provide groceries, you name it. But a lot of the times, once you get to that level, and you realize you're capable of it, you're like, hmm, well, if I just turn this dial, I could get to 2,000. If I turn this dial, I could get to 4,000. At what point did Buzzsprout see that, that, that dial turn where you're like, wow, we should really focus, focus in on this? Yeah, so I don't mean to understate them. Those, all of those apps, they actually had another one that was for uh, medical dispensing. Those were all tens of thousands of dollars and some much more than that. And those were totally just on building apps and honestly being early to the SaaS space. Um, the moment when they started realizing they needed to do something in marketing and kind of opened up a opening for me is 2014. There's a podcasting conference called Podcast Movement. And it's the first one. It's on a Kickstarter. And uh, one of the programmers is like, I'm going, I'm taking someone else and we're going to go. And they're thinking they're going to run into nonstop podcast customers that use Buzzsprout. So they're walking around and they don't meet anyone. They may have met one guy, but it was like this massive conference and no one used our product. And so they came back going, holy cow, this podcasting thing is actually much bigger than we think. And we are much smaller piece of the pie than we thought well, what's the missing link? Because when we look at the other apps, we think our app is just as good, if not better. So they're going, well, maybe this marketing thing, and literally in their mind, they used to call it the magic beans. Like they're like, there's no way this stuff is real. People come in, they promise like 5X return and it's just all bogus. Like that was totally the mindset. And then they were like, well, we'll take a, we'll take a little bit of a risk. And at the same time, I'm kind of knocking on, through one of the guys who worked here and I was like dude just get me out of law and I'm in like let me <laughs> let me write some stories about the you know I like I did literature as my undergrad in English I was like this is what I want to do I was like I'm down to try marketing let's uh let's do a career switch in general with that career switch what do you think were some of the greatest lessons that you learned throughout the con like throughout just learning marketing? Because, you know, what makes a great marketer is people that are constantly changing up experiments, you know, constantly seeing what works, trying out new um, copyright on an email or trying out new stuff on the blog, new stuff on the website. Did you find a certain uh, maybe tweak that helped a lot in terms of, of the marketing with Buzzsprout? I mean, I started with like no experience. So I, 
was literally like Googling like, oh, marketing blogs, like how to grow a web app, you know, and just trying to teach myself. So I was reading a lot of books, listening to tons of podcasts and trying to learn stuff. Um, the thing that really made a difference for me was you've always got to go back to the ground level and talk to customers. Whenever we talked to customers was when we got a feel for what the decision-making process looked like. And when we were talking to customers, things we kept hearing were, oh, I found this blog that you wrote. Oh, I really enjoyed my road into support. You wrote me right back. And they were looking for this more human element. And I realized, at least for Buzzsprout, we're podcast hosting. Um, we're a little bit later in the life cycle of launching a podcast. You've probably thought about it for months. You Maybe you've recorded. You've got software. You've got the mic. And now it's the last step, and that's when we get involved. And so that kind of gave us this little idea, like maybe the thing for us to do is just to be writing blog posts, which worked for me because that's what I wanted to be doing anyway. Um, so we just started creating content and our whole goal was to introduce ourselves into people's minds earlier in their podcasting journey because we didn't want them to get all the way um, to the end and then go, who do I pick and pick whoever was number one in the search results because um, we didn't own that. We wanted to be the company that you found early on, we helped you create a great podcast. And at the end you went, I know who I want to be with. So it's basically taking them on a journey from start to finish and being their partner throughout that. It, the content marketing world is, is so big and vast right now. We had one woman on our podcast, Alex Fasulo. Um, she's a badass. I think she's like 25 years old, uh, earning upwards of $300,000 freelancing on Fiverr, just doing content marketing. Whoa, you know, that's I, great. Obviously, she's a beast and, you know, that's hard to duplicate. But the fact that you can go on a platform like Fiverr or Upwork and market your skills is incredible. And content is the king for the next three to five years for sure until something else bumps it out just to be able to build a, build a skill set. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think what, um, you know, the way we kind of think about content and I've kind of, this has been maybe a framework that's developed for me is you kind of want to find this like Venn diagram of things that are like, there's a ton of volume. There's a lot of people looking for it. And then there's an overlap with um, things that have intent. Somebody actually is going to make a purchase at some point. And then the third piece, which I don't know if all content marketers do this, is my actual customers who already pay for our product want it. And our thinking was, you know, I don't want to create a ton of content that's only valuable to someone who doesn't use the product because I want to brag about it and send it to people that are actually paying us and get them uh, more value. And so what ends up happening is, you know, it ends up becoming this like thing that reduces churn. People actually stick around for longer. And then they eventually, they are totally empowered to use that content that you're creating um, to send to friends and family who are like peppering them with questions. Like, how do you get a podcast online? Like, what are you doing with this? How are you doing that? They go, Oh, don't uh, let me show you, you know, here's the, you know, one of the first blog posts was how to create artwork for your podcast. So we saw that question a lot. So we wrote it and that gets passed around, you know, now five years later. And so it's really nice to be able to write these like definitive pieces of content that are like lead gens, but then they're also churn reducers and they're also, um, I don't know, like word of mouth accelerator or something. 
so cool. You could start a business today, tomorrow, and then you could put out five, 10, 20, a hundred pieces of content. And eventually one of those is going to hit and then you can create an ongoing lead gen. This is a kind of a crazy story that happened to me the other day. So I've had stomach issues for a long time. I'm pretty vocal about it. I have a few YouTube videos up about, um, you know, how, for example, I beat something called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. And, you know, I just put out these videos, not expecting too much, just basically sharing my knowledge because it was a super frustrating journey and I figured it could help someone. So the other day I am at a meditation event and uh, I'm meditating, doing my thing. And then after yeah. the event, some dude comes up to me, uh, this guy Clayton, and he's like, hey, bro, uh, I saw your video on YouTube about SIBO. And like, I, I, can I ask you some questions? And I was, first of all, I was like, wait, what? Holy <laughs> like, cow. You're just some other person in the, in the universe that knows me from this video about my stomach. And I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Let's, let's talk about freaking poop bro like let's do it whatever we got <laughs> it was so crazy to me because even if you find like the smallest niche such as stomach issues or you know whatever niche you're in you can put out content and there's someone out there that's listening to you and i think that something that's very important to mention about podcasting and, and for everyone that doesn't know what buzzsprout is buzzsprout is a, a hosting platform for podcasts so they make it super easy for you to basically start a podcast uh, very non-techy. Anyone can get started with it. I personally am going to be hosting my, my podcast with them in the future. Uh, so really excited about that partnership. Um, but what is really cool about podcasting is that say you get 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 views, right? You know, imagine 50 people out in front of you listening to you talk. And this goes the same with Facebook lives and Facebook in general, just going out. Sometimes people get so upset about numbers. Like, oh, I only got a hundred views. A hundred views? Imagine if you were in front of a hundred people giving your talk and these people are listening to you. Yeah, like that's absolutely. something that's something to be proud of and, and feel excited about. So it's like learning to love your first few customers and show them that you care is so critical to building a foundation. And it seems like you guys at Buzzsprout did a great job building a foundation of people that really loved you. Man, I love, I love you talking about the people versus the numbers. That's something we really drive home because the where podcasting is in its life cycle right now, it's hard to discover podcasts. And a lot of people don't um, find tons of new podcasts. And there's really no like podcasts go viral moments. You know, there's very few of those. And they mostly go viral based on something else. It's not like the episode itself goes viral. Um, so what you do is you actually build these communities of really, really engaged listeners. And so if you're posting something on Twitter and you boost it for a couple bucks, you're like, hey, 5,000 people saw that. What? That's awesome. And I put like $2 behind it. You, you can feel like, oh, that's a lot of people. And then you go to your podcast and you're like bummed because you're, you're an average podcaster and you only get 150 listeners. And you're like, oh, that's not very many. I could have just spent a dollar on Twitter and gotten more exposure. Um, but the thing that I always say is like, you've got a multi, it's a multiple of the people by the impact or the depth of the relationship is what's important. And if I'm just scrolling past your tweet, I'm probably not noticing it. But if I'm listening to an hour-long episode, really diving into what you're about, or maybe subscribing to the podcast and listening to it for years, and now I've, I've consumed 100 hours of content, that is such a deeper relationship than any other social media can provide. You're not getting something like that through a Facebook or 
a Twitter post or something like on LinkedIn. Um, the podcasting really allows this incredible depth of relationship with your listeners. Yeah, the intimacy factor, right? It's yeah. like somebody who's a loyal listener to our podcast. Yeah, I'm blown away at, you know, next time I see them in person, they're like, yo, Ian, boom, 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 boom. They, they know everything that's going on in my life and my guest life. And I'm like, holy crap, like we're like best friends, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy. I, uh, I wonder about how to engage people when I know a lot about their podcast. And I'm like, I know you don't know me, but I kind of feel like I know you. So uh, it's an interesting interesting thing to think about that we've got some of these, you know, one-way relationships now. But I do think that is the true power of creating really good content that you can engage people for long periods of time and really build up a ton of trust. What, do you, what can you talk about in terms of the word of mouth movement, right? So word of mouth advertising, it's the mo- one of the best forms of advertising in the world. Uh, you know, I've always been a very big passionate fan of network marketing, which is word of mouth advertising. Affiliate marketing is very much similar to word of mouth advertising. What is your thoughts on just kind of how that has progressed over the years? And, and where do you kind of see word of mouth advertising playing both in Buzzsprout and then just overall in the, in the landscape? It's, it's funny. It feels like the web has tried to like depersonalize a lot of this stuff. And we try to pretend like, oh, the way people are going to engage with my brand is by clicking a Google ad. And it, all that matters is which Google link they click. But we've wised up a little bit to the web. So we click like five different things. We do our research. We compare and contrast different feature sets. And in the end of the day, it's something like 60% of people still make their purchase decision based on the recommendation of a personal friend. And so much better than you looking and liking my website is you having a friend who has a podcast on Buzzsprout and you go, hey, what do you use? Oh, I use Buzzsprout. Okay, cool. Do you like it? Yes, it's great. They know they've got a personal resource if they have any issues and they feel like it's been vetted for them. Um, So it's easy in like marketing world to try to go, I'm perfectly optimizing every lever and I've got a perfect funnel. But you really need to remember a lot of this the interactions that are important are not happening in a place that you can see it. They're happening in private Facebook groups. They're happening uh, with two people grabbing coffee. They happen over a Twitter, you know, message. Somebody's sending a special, you know, private message to somebody and they're just discussing what, how they're starting a podcast. Um, So I don't know. I kind of, that's all boiled down for us is you got to be good to your own customers and like, Make sure you're taking care of them because they should, if you're doing things right, be your number one marketing channel, not um, some big thing like Google going to change its mind on you next week on how they're going to rank your content or how they're going to, um, how you're going to be charged for ads. You've got to invest in these people that are already paying you, you know, 12 bucks a month. It's so true. I was, when I got into the technology world, I was really blown away at how many of these massive tech companies that were doing 100 million in ARR didn't have a sales team. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have a sales team? Like what, what products don't have sales teams? They're like, we don't need sales teams because most of their generation is from word of mouth. It's from people telling people. It's from you know, a couple of big clients telling a couple of big clients. You know, every one of us can focus on servicing just a few clients that become our super fans, our 
you know, our number ones. And if we can create deep relationships and service them and give them what they need and, and be there for them, be that person that understands them, then they're going to go to bat for you. And they're going to become a loyal affiliate, a loyal long-term advocate of what you're up to. And the other thing is getting out of that scarcity mindset. Uh, there's so many people in the world. There's so much opportunity. You know, it's like out there is someone that's just like Alvin. Out there is someone that's just like the Jones, just like you listening. But you got to step up, have the courage to go out there and find them because otherwise nothing's ever going to move. You know what I'm saying, Alvin? Yeah, and you don't have to feel like when you've got this scarcity mindset, you end up fighting your competitors for the one person who you can see and you end up looking terrible to everybody else. So I think on Twitter, a lot of times people are like, Hey, I'm trying to decide, should I go with Buzzsprout or Transistor or Podbean? Like they tag all three of us. And, you know, I always think of it as like, Hey, I want you to pick the right thing for you. If you're a good customer for us or a good customer somewhere else, no hard feelings if you don't pick us. So we throw out our stuff. Um, but you don't have to fight for every individual person. And you've got to remember the one person is asking the question, there's 10 other people watching you. And if your interaction is don't go with our competitor, they're a load of junk. They do all these things wrong, which one probably is not true. It just makes this like puts a sour taste in people's mouths. Um, and what do you do? Maybe you land to the one customer who now thinks of you as somebody who's just willing to, fight to scrape the last few dollars out of your pocket what's up party people this is a quick commercial break to announce the winner of this week's 50 dollars gift certificate congratulations to c.vots for being our winner please shoot me a direct message to collect your prize and each podcast episode we will be giving out 50 dollars to a random listener who shares this podcast episode on their instagram story remember to tag me on instagram at len jones so i can reshare your post and celebrate you on my timeline now let's jump back into this podcast with albin yeah, great point there. And people do that terribly on Facebook as well. It's like, yo, sometimes I'm scrolling across my feed. I'm like, some of y'all got to get the fingertips off of the keyboard because this is not working. You know, don't be flipping out on someone. Don't be getting all sour over one single relationship because for you to fight one person ends up fighting 50 without you even knowing. Because there's yeah. so much people that are seeing your content, but they're not clicking on it. They're not watching it. Someone might open your blog, but they're not going to reply or take a, take a call to action. So it's like, if you're listening to this podcast, watch who you are every time you click. And I think it comes down to those, uh, we talk about it a lot on the, the past episode, but your brand guidelines, you know, who are you? What's your voice and tone? You know, writing down a set of principles of how you show up on the internet is so important. Like you might have principles in person, right? Like you probably have manners. You probably hold the door open for people. Like you have some like general in-person principles, but I don't think it's talked enough about, about building a set of principles that you demonstrate online because that is yeah. the majority of how people are even going to learn from you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. And I think there's a bit of it that resonates with me. That's like, you need to remember that social media is not real life. And it's a very, uh, I don't know, it's a very thin sliver of people's day-to-day -day interactions. Most people are not creating the content. There's this incredible old Reddit post called like the whole internet is written by crazy people. And all what the person did was like, 
on Wikipedia, there's one guy who's done like 300 or like 3 million articles. He's, in, in, he's done edits on them. And there's somebody else who did like 10% of some other website. It was like example after example of like 0.01% of people are creating all the content. And he goes, and think if somebody's really doing 3 million edits on Wikipedia, they're not normal. Like they're not a bad person. They're probably, they're like very cool. Like they're interesting, but they're not the person you interact with day to day. And so you need to remember that to create a lot of content online is these are actually people that you would not, you're not interacting with, and they're often not always your customers. So even I've never posted on Twitter or anywhere, hey, compare and contrast these three options and tell me which one I should use. That's a different mindset. And so as a marketer, you can get really caught up in that. I mean, I guess there's two lessons out of this for me. One is you get really caught up in responding to all of these social media inquiries and getting into debates because you think these are all of the customers. That's number one. And number two is most people are not creating content at all. And so you've got to be in the content creator category. Even if you go, oh, this, there's only 200 people searching for this thing a month. That's a lot of people searching for things. And you want to introduce yourself to them. Even if the volume's low and the competition is high, you can invest in a piece of content that can you know, pay dividends for years, be in the 0.01% of content creators so that you can reap the rewards of having a disproportionate effect on you know, the voice of the internet and what, how it reads. Yeah, well said. The best day to start doing that was yesterday. Uh, so if you're not doing it, you got to start today. And also, it's like, don't compare your chapter one to people's chapter 20. You know, make sure that you are not becoming that person that's always saying until next year. It's like the new year resolution deal. Don't be the one that has to wait till January 1st to make it happen. It's just start now because if you start now, you'll feel good. You know what I mean? Like, and plus, why would you wait? This is your future. I think I feel like I've blinked and a month went by in January already. Like time yeah. is whipping by. And what happens is the more time that goes by, the less time we have to do the things we want to do and love to do. It's going to get more difficult. Your health might deteriorate. You might be getting into a relationship. You might change up your job. It's like whenever we think that things could get, couldn't get worse, it always finds a way to get worse. So it's like, <laughs> what's, your, what's your out? How are you going to make that happen? I like that you were talking about this whole evangelism um, mindset. Uh, we just had someone on the podcast that hasn't been released yet, but it's these females from Happy Takeoff. Uh, they are making air taxis available for everyday use. So we're talking straight wow. flying, you know, taxis going from ceiling to ceiling, getting us because, you know, obviously LA traffic's terrible. It's amazing. I mean, they're an aerospace engineer, plastics composite manufacturer, and a doctor teaming up. And what they're doing is just amazing. But I talked to them and I was like, you know, you guys are very open about everything you're doing to the point where I'm like almost a little suspect. Like, shouldn't you be keeping some of this to yourself? And they're like, no, no, that's not how this works. They have that Elon Musk mindset where it's like, we want people to take our ideas. We want people to, to, to move forward with this. Because if you take our idea and, and you move forward with this, I want to freaking hire you. Because it's like, if you can be that person that, that advocates for the industry you're in, you attract attention from so many people, like the type, the type of people these they're hanging out with. I mean, just the other, the night before they did the podcast with me, they're at this event that, you know, 
the universe or whatever gets them at. They look to the right. It's Morgan Freeman. Next thing you know, they're chatting up with Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman sings her happy birthday. And I got this on the next podcast for you listeners. You guys hear that. And they develop these relationships from all over because they're all about helping the movement, not just about financial gain. And people can smell that off you. People can feel like how your intentions are. So I feel like really adjusting those root values, setting your intention to become an evangelist of what your industry is, and then using that evangelism inside of your content is going to really separate yourself. Yeah, that goes back to what you're talking about with the scarcity mindset. If you think the industry is done and it will never go grow at all, you've got to fight for the last little sliver of the pie, especially if you want to grow. But in almost all industries, there actually is growth. And so if you can focus on, hey, let's build this pie, let's grow it, let's make podcasting even bigger, let's make uh, air taxis even bigger, well, then you're going to be a big piece of that and you'll get a disproportionate amount of the growth. And that's all you need. And if they weren't preaching to everybody, Morgan Freeman wouldn't hear it and go, heck yeah, I want to hear more about your product. If they were sitting there saying, we can't, we got to hide it. I mean, what if Morgan Freeman knows some like VCs and he get, he gives all our great ideas away, you know, <laughs> like you, you can't, if you're so nervous all the time, holding all this back, you won't share any of the info. Um, so you just got to be, you know, pour your heart into your content and then put it out there and let people see um, what you think about the industry and how it can move forward. And then emphasizing those pain points, I think is another good addition. You know, not going into so much detail. I think a lot of times when people start their own business, they get so scared about not knowing all the details, right? But I've found that even in the most technical of, of work sites, that it's not as much detail that's important. It's just the main pain points. For example, we, uh, one of my mentors, John Melton, uh, was also on the podcast. I tend to, you know, use a lot of these lessons I learned from people on the podcast because that's, you know, that's podcasting right there. But John Melton is one of the top earners inside of this, his world. I mean, he makes 10x what most people make. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And I, whenever I listen to him speak and he's on stage talking, I realize he's not talking about all the, the ingredients and the you know, specialized plant that's hidden in the Amazon rainforest or the complexities of the compensation plan or you know, all of these different factors. He's keeping it real basic. You know, hey. How many people want to build a business online? Me. How many people want a system? Me. How many people want to spend more time with my kids? Me. And he's just hammering these basic core principles down. And because of that, he's attracting the most badass, amazing leaders, right? So it's like on the front end, I think a lot of the times we need to decomplicate things, you know, keep it real simple because simple is what's going to convert. That's why people spend so much money on amazing like iOS engineers to make sure that the app experience is amazing. I mean, it blows my mind how much these people get paid. You know, in San Francisco, you get three, $400,000 to be an iOS engineer because how people use your app is going to decide everything of how it, it functions. So it's just like that. I, what do you think about that? Like emphasizing the pain points versus going into too much detail. I definitely agree. There's something about keeping things simple and kind of distilling every, distilling your message to its core pieces. Um, one joke I always have with my wife is people always like have these like diet ideas and it's always like something down in the rainforest they just found. If you eat this three times a day, you're going to 
look so much better. But all the people you know that are in the best shape, what do they do? They just, any diet will tell you, you can't eat a bag of Cheetos and a Coke for dinner. That's not a dinner under any diet. And so it's just like the main simple points that are going to get you most of the rewards. Um, I don't know. So I think about like content. The main thing is you've got to be putting stuff out consistently. You've got to have a eye for excellence that you want to be the best thing on the web. Uh, you don't need every perfect SEO hack done correctly. What you need is a maybe a routine knowledge of SEO, but you've got to just say, I'm trying to write something that is so good that it could be the best thing on the web for years, answering one particular question. And uh, you've got to just you got to just start now because nobody starts anything well. Everyone starts as a beginner, and the only way to truly level up in anything is by practice and experience. And so if you aren't practicing writing, and if you're not practicing podcasting, you're not going to get any better at writing or podcasting. Well said. And first of all, I can't believe people still drink soda in 2020. It just blows my mind. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. Everyone knows you shouldn't well, drink soda. I, I, I'm over on the East Coast in the South, so we drink tons of soda. <laughs> you got to stop that, man. Get that water in. Get that. <laughs> but yeah, I love what you just mentioned. It's like, the other aspect is I'm a terrible writer personally. I, I, I despise writing. I make myself write because I need to. Like you just at some level, it's like driving, right? You got to drive a car even if you don't like it to get from point A to point B. But I don't like writing. It's not my strong suit. For people like me that don't love to write, maybe they're not the perfect grammar, you know, um, whatever that may be, use the other alternative, which is speak, talk. Go on Facebook Live, share your message. I like talking like this on the podcast. I feel like it's way more me. I can just you know, use my personality and I, I think it reflects more through my writing. But you, on the other hand, uh, well, you're both, you're good at both, which is great. When I read your writing, I just read one of your, uh, one of your email marketing stuff just yesterday. It's like, ah, oh, this is super concise. Like this guy is really good at, at juggling down those points. And that's why you would have been a really, really good lawyer if you kept that up. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I am uh, definitely blessed to have left the legal life. Um, it's, a, it's a ton of work and it was not super, uh, you know, rewarding. So I'm very lucky to be here in the tech world now. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I totally agree. You've got to just, you've got to start something and whichever one feels right. You know, sometimes procrastination is not just a bad thing. Sometimes it's telling you you're totally uncomfortable with something. and you know, if you're saying I've got to do a video or I've got to start tweeting or I've got to do podcasts and one of those you always procrastinate may just not be a good fit. Find the one that's actually pretty easy for you and just dive into it. One of the, definitely one of the biggest lessons I wish I could tell myself when I started this job was it's all about running experiments. But then once an experiment works, you find something that's working, you've got to double down and triple down and quadruple down on that thing. So when we found content marketing was working, we didn't say, cool, content marketing's working. What about network marketing? What about social media? What about something else? We went, okay, let's do three times as much content. And when that started working, we said, what if we did content in a different channel? What if we did podcasts? And now we're going, oh, let's do three podcasts. And well, let's do content in another channel. Let's do it in YouTube and trying to build more and more content because the further down you get into something, the better the returns are 
the easier it is to double your results. Um, I mean, there's a, a famous saying, now I'm going to forget who it is. Turning $10 into $11 is very difficult. Turning 10 million into 11 million is inevitable because when you have something really large, it is easier to make improvements, even the same percentage, whereas it's very difficult when something is not working to figure out what's going to work. It's powerful, man. <laughs> do you use the special, do you have any tools that you use for running experiments that you'd recommend? Like what's that process look like when you're thinking, okay, I have this and we need to get to here. So I'm going to go through this process. Sure. So, I mean, tools that I use in marketing are going to be Google optimized for any AB tests. Um, it's free. So you can learn how to use it. Um, if you're on, if you don't have the ability to deploy code, you need to really get Google tag manager on your entire website so that you at least can get some stuff onto pages without interacting with everybody on the team. Um, we, for email, we do everything through ConvertKit. So that's where we do all our drip emails. That's where we do our weekly newsletter. Um, obviously use Buzzsprout for podcasting. So pretty much everything involved in the podcast creation, we do that in Buzzsprout. Um, use GarageBand for podcast editing. Um, trying to think of other things that we use quite a bit. I mean, you've got to have the basics like Google Analytics, um, Google Ads, those just having a really deep understanding of those tools will allow everything to be a bit easier because I know one thing I had a lot of problems with in the beginning where we'd run an experiment and then we would, when I presented it back to the team, everyone's job really was just to poke holes in it and say, ah, we don't really know if that worked or not and then leave the meeting. And getting a really deep understanding of Google Analytics would allow me to say, I hear your concerns, this makes sense, here's the answer, here's how we know this really affected something. And the more that I understood analytics or ads and was able to pull that data out, um, the more the trust team trusted the experiments and I trusted the experiments and we were able to double down on things we knew were working rather than go, you know, kind of relying on a gut feel all the time. Yeah. That's what separates an amateur versus professional it seems. Yeah. And plus we need to, I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, it's all about those percentages and those open rates and, and tracking those. Google Analytics is amazing. If you don't have Google Analytics, if you have any website, you can get Google Analytics for free. And they pretty much tell you about 75% of the things you need to know before needing to upgrade to anything else. Yeah. Which and I, I guess think one tool I definitely should have said was Ahrefs. I mean, uh, SEO is super important and they are able to pull together so much data. Um, so I'm able to make really big decisions pretty easily. I mean, there's something new in podcasting where people are starting to do these private podcasts. And I feel like I know how big it is. And I don't think it's super big yet, but I'm going, do we need to build that? I pull up open Ahrefs. I find a competitor's page that's like ranking number one. I'm saying, how many uh, keywords or do they rank for and how much volume, how many actual people are going to this page? And I see it's only a couple hundred and I go, okay, cool. The uh, normal podcasting is tens of thousands. And then this other thing is only a couple hundred. I didn't need to worry about it. And it can affirm it very quickly. Um, so I, man, Ahrefs is something I pull open 10 times a day to figure out something, um, you know, just any sort of type of work always seems to roll back to Ahrefs for me. Yeah. There's so many different things that do the same thing on the internet, <laughs> you yeah. know, like 
there's tools for email scraping. There's a hundred if you go deep enough, but maybe there's only five to 10 that really still the hearts of people. But like the software movement is so massive and large that anybody can get in and be a player because of content marketing. I mean, you know, for our industry with facial recognition, it's a, you know, a pretty small industry, if you would, of, of players. But we've learned, you know, being in this journey, being with them for over five years, that you're more than capable of becoming one of the largest players. And that's happening very, very quickly. And it just blows my mind when you're a part of something and you start from the bottom and you realize now all the people that are at the top are calling you for advice. It makes you realize, well, damn, like there's a lot more we can go with this and move with this. So I challenge everybody who's thinking here right now, you know, make your competitors become your friends and then make your heroes end up becoming your friends because that's how the world works these days. All you got to do is change. Well, not all you got to do in this simple step, all you got to do. It's a lot more complicated than that, but changing how confident you are in your ability to do things is going to change everything. How you show up is everything. I always, you know, compare it to dating. Like if you're in a complete powerful mood where you are, have so much self-confidence, you love your job, you love your life, you love your family, and you just freaking pour out gratitude and confidence, you're going to be very attractive. Versus if you're super down on life and life's just kicking you and people can smell that off of you, it's just not attractive. And that's why when a really powerful leader walks in the room, you're like, oh, damn, the whole energy shifts. You know what I mean? Like that just, or, or, or even anytime someone makes a really good video that's so genuine, it blows up because it resonates with people. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thinking behind content you're putting out something and you're like, you're raising a flag and there you're, you can feel really nervous when you raise this flag. Like some people are going to say, I don't like it. I don't like what you're doing. It's dumb. What a waste. I could have done it better. Somebody else did it and you're copying them. But then there's a large amount of people that are kind of looking and they're going, no, that's yeah, that's what I'm into. Cool. And uh, man, we have some YouTube videos that have actually started to take off. And some of the comments are people like, man, I love your like sense of humor. And I, I, it was funny that I was like getting this comments because I was like, who are these people? Like, I don't feel like that many people in real life like my sense of humor this much. And then I realized, well, 150,000 people have seen it. And there are like 10 people that have seen it that it was the perfect humor for them. You know, and there were a bunch of people, way more people that saw it and were like, what an idiot and turned the video off. But the 10 that really liked it stayed, they clicked like, and they left a comment. And now those are people who can become fans. But if somebody were, you know, like the people who aren't interested will move on. And the people who are really interested, those are the people that stick around. Absolutely. So, and Alvin, if you could go back in time and maybe right before you went to college and you could have whispered one, two or three things to you that looking back could have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, heartache, and just overall lessons learned. What are some of those things you kind of wish you could have told yourself? I mean, I don't know if I would go back and try to do like a different career path. There was definitely a time where I thought that I would have. Um, I kind of like this one now because I have an appreciation for how lucky we are to be in software versus selling your time by the hour, even for something prestigious like being a lawyer. Um, but 
I mean, definitely like life is just a game. You're going to have to enjoy it. The only thing that is consistent is change. And so if something is bugging you, something's not working on your website or with your business or the relationship, it's going to change and that's inevitable. Um, so you just kind of roll with it. And then I've, one thing that's been very helpful for me is anytime I've tried to simplify things. You know, you're trying to simplify the tool set that you're using for marketing. You're trying to simplify your email sequence and make it a little better. You're simplifying a blog post. Anytime that I'm saying, hey, if I could only do half as much as this, what would I do? Mostly I find what I'm cutting out is stuff that really wasn't all that valuable anyway. Interesting. What, beyond that, what else? Like, what else would you have told yourself? Um, I think I, I wish I'd probably learned to program, to code, um, just because I know that there's quite a bit of time that goes into it. And now I'm, you know, kind of feel like I've missed the boat a bit. I mean, I know I could go and spend the time doing it, but it would just take an outsized amount of time from other activities. Um, but, you know, most things are, you know, just more lifestyle kind of philosophic things. Like you got to enjoy the journey because it will pass. Um, you only get to be in college once and you only get to be like a single guy traveling the world once and you only get to have a three-year-old once. And so each stage in life, uh, you've really got to be in that stage or else it's totally gone uh, before you know it. And then all you'll do the rest of your life is look back and go, man, I really never enjoyed having like a young child or anything. Damn, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's, that's the truth. It's like, it's, we always think that there's going to be a better time, right? Uh, well, maybe next week's going to be better or next month's going to be better to post the content. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm going to create that video tomorrow. It's tomorrow, 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 like New Year's tomorrow. It's like, get out of that. Just start it. Just do it. <laughs> Send it. Book the ticket. Go for it. Figure it out. Worst thing that happens is you come back to square one and you start again. You know, there'll always be more work, but experiences last a lifetime and building memories is something on a whole nother ballgame. It's going to be more difficult moving forward with our technology dependence to build memories because, you know, we're so not present as a, as you know, my generation is very much not present. You know, we're, we're on our phones 24 seven. I mean, these things are dopamine addictors, um, but really focusing on being there and, and truly being present. So Alvin, I appreciate you coming on, man. You're just a wealth of knowledge. We could pick your brain for hours and hours. I mean, what you guys are doing at Buzzsprout is amazing. Um, on behalf of all our listeners, we really appreciate you coming on. How can people sh uh, find more of you and follow your journey and, and continue getting more Alvin in their life? Um, well, pretty much everywhere on the web, I'm Alvin Brook. So at Alvin Brook on any social media platform, the only other one was my grandfather and he doesn't get there till I do. So um, you know, wherever you are, you can find me that way. And, uh, if you ever want to talk about podcasting or marketing, I love to do both. So anyone want to reach out, I'd love it. Awesome, man. Till next time. We appreciate you. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones party of two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves till next time. Peace.